Welcome to Take a Moment. I'm Nathan Bennett. And I'm Mari Yamaguchi. And the company that we're talking about is Company Nurse. Yes, we're joined today by Henry Svenblad, who is the Chief Technology Officer, and he talks about some of those interesting calls that they get. But more importantly, during this time of the pandemic and times being what they are, schools, they just weren't in session. So businesses like theirs had to pivot. And he talks about how he was able to quickly pivot that business, most importantly, to also ensure that they didn't lose one employee along the way. It's a pretty remarkable, and I know we say the word pivot a lot because so many of us as human beings, as individuals, as, as families, and of course, as organizations have had to do just that in the last number of months. And one of the things that stands out to me as Henry talks about his approach, not only to technology and companies approach, uh, embracing cloud technology, really at, at just the right time to be able to continue to keep their employees employed, of course, but also just to keep their customers safe. It's inspiring to hear how Company Nurse shows up for their customers in an incredible way of wanting to make sure that they're just being helped in severe times of need. And coming up with an incredible COVID-19 digital screening process that they can do remotely has also been integral to getting folks back to work. And I know that I learned a lot from Henry and I know our listeners will as well. Yes, one of the things that he talks about as a core company value is compassion for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that translates to not just how they deliver the experiences and services for their customers, but ensuring that they adhere to that corporate value for their employees as well. Henry is an incredible example of someone with an empathetic heart and a technologist's mind. And we were privileged to have this conversation with him. We learned a lot from him and we know you will too. So thank you for taking a moment with us. For those folks who are listening to us right now, they obviously can't see you, but Mari and I are looking at a really cool thing hanging on the back of your wall right now. Can you tell us what we're looking at? Sure. You're looking at my Cervelo R5 racing road bike, which isn't racing anymore these days. I used to put in maybe 10,000 miles a year just for training, and I'll be lucky if I get a couple hundred miles this, this year. Now, are you more of an avid racer or do you like to take that bad boy and go like off the trails? Do you like to jump off of rocks over trees? How adventurous do you get? All of it. I just returned from a week and a half in Colorado, up in the high mountains, Telluride, Crested Butte, Purgatory Resort, where I descended about 30,000 feet and, and climbed about 25,000 feet, um, rode maybe 300 miles, all on my single-speed rigid mountain bike. That is incredible. And in this age of COVID, I'm a little jealous because last week I went to the grocery store and I thought that that was pretty cool and pretty exciting. But in terms of your uh, bike enthusiast, I have two questions for you. One, what was the most messed up injury you've ever sustained? And two, Give us some lessons from the trail or from the racetrack. What have you learned about life or business from biking? 
in terms of the the worst uh, accident, so I was this was maybe three or four years ago as I was training for a race, a local race that we have every year that a lot of people come from overseas and, and nationally all the pros come in. It's a cactus cup. It's a three-day event and I was training for that. And there's this 20-foot drop that is part of the race. And it, if you take the drop, it might save you a couple of seconds. And of course, you're, you're going to do the drop. And I've done it probably a hundred times racing because we it's a, it's a pretty common race course. So I went out to do a practice lap. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to get this drop out of the way. I didn't even turn my computer on on my mountain bike. And I did the drop and I hesitated. And next thing I knew, I woke up and I was lying in a pool of my blood with uh, rocks in my mouth, which I thought were my teeth. Um, so I called my wife, she picked me up and, you know, ER visit. So nothing broken, really bad bruising uh, on my face. I also cut my lip open. Um, and you know, the lesson from that is hesitation equals devastation. And you've got the scars to prove it. That's right. I love yes. that. And then, and then you ask, so the lesson, so I, I could probably spend the whole podcast talking about the parallels between training and racing a bike and working in technology. But I would say probably the, the biggest thing is if you want to be successful racing your bike, you have to do the homework. And when I say do your homework, it starts with, having the right equipment, having the right coach, following the plan. That's the number one rule when you have a coach is you've got to follow the plan. And when we talk a little bit more about company nurse and our COVID response, I'll, I might lean on some of the who's our coach and what are what's some of the homework that we did. I, I think that um, our COVID response and the time that we're in is, is akin in a lot of ways to going to war, right? You prepare, you do the training. And this COVID uh, situation for us, maybe not for every company, has really been like being at war. You know, every day it's from morning, from sunup to sundown, what are the challenges that we have to deal with and, and how, how can we address them? So, again, I can go into a lot more parallels with, uh, with racing and training and technology, but I would say it's all in the preparation, the dedication, and, and the people that you have around you to, to help you be successful. You mentioned COVID as something that your company has had to make a shift in. Tell us a little bit about Company Nurse, and then also talk about that business shift you had to do and how what you're doing now is actually really helping with overall response with COVID and then also about business continuity. Sure, sure. So a little bit about Company Nurse. So Company Nurse has uh, been in business for 23 years. We were founded by Paul Binsfeld, who's still, still our, our CEO and president. And Company Nurse, true to, to its mission, has been a boutique provider of nurse triage for workplace injuries. So we've done that for 23 years. We've helped over a million Americans get back to work quickly uh, as a result of our service. And, and, and essentially what we do is when somebody gets injured at work, we are their first point of contact. And we make sure that that person has all the resources in terms of an empathetic nurse, talking to them, walking them through their injury, getting them back to work if possible, or getting them to the appropriate point of care as quickly as possible. With our service, we can go as far as getting an, an Uber or a Lyft to pick them up at work so that another employee doesn't have to take that injured worker to their appointment and then bringing them back either home or, or to the office, hopefully usually to the office. So that's what we've done for, for 23 years. I joined the company about three years ago. And uh, at that point, not to use the pivot, seems like a, it's been overused, but we shifted our 
our focus from, from being an on-premise organization to very similar to Genesis, which we're now a SaaS-first, cloud-first company. All of our technology, including obviously our, our Genesis contact center, is in the cloud. We're, we're a big Salesforce customer as well. We have our own homegrown triage platform um, where we have a lot of intellectual property. And that's also hosted now with AWS and, and their infrastructure. So that was the big challenge over the, the last three years is, is shifting the organization from being on-premise to completely embracing the cloud. And we've had a lot of success with that. In fact, we were looking at double-digit growth probably for the first time in, in many years until about March 12th. I think March 12th was when the floor really came out from underneath us. So when schools went online, all of those teachers that normally would get bitten by students or, or fall on a hole in the pavement were, were not calling. And so we went back to our customers and we were having some, you know, kind of deep conversations. How can we help? You know, we have this, this talent, we have all these agents that would normally be taking calls. What can we do to help ease the pain of, of the COVID challenge? And so initially for a lot of the critical workers that work with every day in terms of our customers, um, we heard from one company, and I won't mention the name, but a, a, a utility company in California that we've been working with for years. They said, you know, we just had somebody that tested positive for COVID and they exposed a few other employees and, and our employees are, are freaked out coming to work. We need something to reassure them. Can we, and this was the customer saying, would you be open to taking those calls and having your nurses walk them through COVID symptoms and uh, in some cases, I think we we're getting two calls per day uh, per employee if they thought they were exposed to someone. And so that got me thinking, along with our, our development team and our leadership team around, well, how do we productize this? How do we, how do we take something that we're doing today for this one utility company? Obviously not very scalable. We couldn't suddenly be taking calls from every customer twice a day, every employee. Maybe it might be profitable, but certainly not, not something that we could scale to do. Um, and so, uh, together with uh, with our uh, with our team, we we came up with a digital screening service, um, and uh, and we've now found that there's dozens of competitors that have popped up. I think we we were we were probably the first that was uh, that was live. It took us about a month to go from concept idea to minimum viable product. Um, and so fast forward now, um, what it's been almost, I think it's been six months. Time seems like in some cases it seems like it flies and in, in some cases it seems like it was just yesterday, but fast forward, we're now screening about 10,000 employees per day. And we have opportunities in our pipeline with schools now reopening that will easily double that over the next month. So we've gone from, you know, an idea to potentially helping 30,000 employees a day get back to work. And then because we're working with schools and we presented this for their teachers, they said, this is great for our teachers, but we want our families to do this. We want our students to use the screening tool because we want to protect our teachers from the students. Those are The teachers are probably at higher risk than the student if you just look at the, the average age and, and maybe health of a, of a teacher. So, so hopefully that uh, gives you a bit of an idea of how we went from, from zero to, to where we are today with our COVID screening solution. That's absolutely incredible. And the nimbleness and response and empathy and innovation that all went into making that happen is pretty remarkable. I'm wondering if you can give us a sense of what that process, that virtual assessment, that virtual screening looks like. Sure, sure. So 
uh, we designed this to be very easy to implement. We designed it to be very easy to use. And so we designed for a mobile first access. And so the only requirement is a mobile device. We've now expanded that to email and password authentication, but obviously then that, that adds some complexity. And so what we require is uh, a registration email goes out from let's say an HR manager at one of our clients to their employee base saying, hey, we've just partnered with company nurse to provide digital screening so that you can all feel safe coming to work every day. And we need you to register at this link. We provide them with a QR code and a link that they can distribute to their employees. It takes the employees a couple of seconds to register. We wanted to make this solution very secure and private. So we're not asking for date of birth or social security number. All we have is the employee's mobile device number and their first and their last name. Optionally, they can put in a student ID or an employee ID. And then um, using some of the technology that we, we have from you, we're able to put those users into a daily SMS campaign. And so they receive a text message. They can determine at what time and how frequently they receive it. So if somebody's a student and they've got classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday at a certain time, they can get a reminder at 6 a.m. and Tuesdays and Thursdays. They can be reminded in the afternoon if they've got afternoon classes. They get their reminder, they click on that link, and then they're presented with a set of questions. And the standard set of questions are, are you having an emergency situation? After we ask them if they're having a 911, of course we want them to call 911 if they're having an emergency. We ask them if, uh, if they have any symptoms. That's a standard set of about 10 now uh, symptom categories for COVID based on CDC guidelines. Then we ask about exposure. We have different flows for healthcare versus uh, critical workers and then what the CDC considers community exposure, which is all of us, everybody else. We also allow companies to add their own custom questions. So local health departments on a county by county basis may have different requirements. For example, in Virginia, the state of Virginia requires that all, all employees now mandates and actually fines employers if they don't do daily health screenings. They also, for some reason, ask, have you traveled overseas in the last 14 days, which seems kind of odd because I don't think too many people are traveling, but I guess it's, it's still happening. So we have the ability to add those custom questions. It takes about 30 seconds to complete the, the survey. And then if somebody fails a survey, we have an optional service also powered by Genesis that leverages your callback capability. So a individual can, they, we already have their mobile device number. We ask them at that point for their zip code so that we can make sure that we get a registered nurse for the state that they're in because our nurses are registered in all 50 states, but not all of our nurses are registered in all 50 states uh, when they come to work for us. And so as we're working on getting them their credentials, we're using skills-based routing in Genesis to add the state skill once they get that credential. And so we take that zip code and we say, okay, so-and-so wants to speak to a nurse in Massachusetts with Massachusetts skill. We make sure that we route that call to the next available nurse that has that skill. Within seconds, that user will be talking to a nurse. And the reason that that's become a real value add for us is a lot of employers are worried that with all these, an increasing list of symptoms that the CDC has from the time that they started to where they are today, the, the list of symptoms has grown. Employers are concerned that there are going to be too many false positives. So these are critical workers. So think restaurant workers. And they're worried that three, four, five people aren't going to show up to work today because they failed their screening. Talking to that nurse allows the nurse to then use their empathy and their skill and their critical thinking to really get to the bottom of this 
symptom? Is it an allergy symptom? You know, you have a cough and a headache. Some people cough when they have allergies, you know, they affect them differently. The nurse can ask those probing questions. You know, is this your normal? Do you always have a cough? Maybe you have COPD. And so they can override the failed screen, if you will, and say, well, that symptom, that headache is because this person suffers from migraines. They're okay to report into work. And then in addition to that, we obviously provide real-time alerts and reporting, also leveraging some of the Genesis technology to make sure that we're alerting the supervisor, the COVID coordinator, which is a, a term that we've added to the person that sort of administers a location in our system so that they know that this person's not showing up to work today. We have some clients that say, you know, I don't want to know what symptoms they have because it crosses kind of a line from an HR perspective. They rather not know that Johnny has a cough, but they just want to know that this person's either cleared for work or they've been told to stay home and self-isolate. I'm interested about technology's relationship to empathy. You mentioned empathy before, and I know that's a very large part of the core values of Company Nurse. In fact, I know that you've been recognized officially because of your practice of empathy. I'm wondering how you foster that within your organization. You know, you can go to school and learn how to be just about anything. You can be a very, very skilled nurse, but when you're hiring, when you're staffing your organization, how do you make sure that those people on the other end of the line actually are empathetic and can meet people's needs in that way? That's a great question, Nate. So I think it starts with leadership and values and character. You know, when we, and this is before my time, but when Company Nurse was going through a transformation, both in our branding and, and just in our organization and our leadership practices, we kind of search within ourselves to think, what should our values be and, and why are they important? And so compassion for everyone is, is our empathy value. We don't, we don't use one word. I know a lot of companies, they think, you know, empathy is a value. Our, our probably most important value is compassion for everyone. And so it starts with that. It starts with the leadership team really being bought into all of the values and especially that one. And so as we're, we're hiring, we look for empathy. And it's not hard to find empathy in, in nurses, right? Most nurses go into, into that career because they want to take care of people. And so we're lucky that we have some amazing nurses. In fact, we just had two of our first ever nurses, really the nurses that kind of launched our business retire. And it's, uh, it's actually a married couple, uh, Dave and Rhonda Kaufroth. We were thinking in, in the leadership team, well, what can we do to, to honor their service, their 20 years of service at, at Company Nurse? And I said, well, it just sort of just came to me. And I said, well, easy. Why don't we just come up with a Kaufroth Award that we award to employees every year for showing compassion for everyone? It was like this aha moment, like, of course, that's what we need to do. So this will be the first year that we award somebody with the Kaufroth Award for nursing excellence and compassion for everyone. Henry, I know that Company Nurse has been voted time and time again as one of the top places to work in Arizona, and that's no easy feat. And for those who are not familiar, I'd like to kind of read down your company core values and ask you to kind of unpack those for us a little bit so that we can gain an understanding of why this is such an amazing organization to work for. So I think there are five of them. If I miss any of them, please let me know. But one, do the right thing. Two, go the extra two miles. Three, driven to find solutions. Four, just as you mentioned before, compassion for everyone. And lastly, 
work together to work it out. I love these and I love them as goals for an organization. And I'm wondering if you could unpack those and give us a sense of what it's like to work for Company Nurse. I've been doing this for a while and I say this to, to everyone that I, that I come in contact. This is the best company that I've ever worked for. It's not the largest company. You know, there are other things that you could probably look back and say, well, that was better here. or The offices were prettier here, but it really starts with the leadership that we have the direction that we have from our CEO. We argue sometimes, but in a, in a healthy way. And when we run into issues, whether it's an issue with a customer or an issue with an employee, we really lean on these values. That's the first thing as a leadership team that we remind ourselves to do is how do we take this situation, whether it's a, a difficult employee conversation or a difficult customer conversation, and how do we tie that back to making sure that we're doing the right thing, making sure that we're not just going the extra mile, but that we're going the extra two miles for this customer. Not, not kind of like put it in their face, like, oh, look at all the things that I did with, for you, but really just have we done everything possible to solve this issue? We talked about compassion for everyone. The work together to work it out is one that I personally struggle with, you know, and I'm just kind of laying out the way that I feel. And the reason for that is maybe my background as a bicycle racer or having been in technology as long as, as, as I have, I like to get things done. And I like to get things done quickly. And so sometimes actually taking the time to work with my colleagues to work things out versus doing it myself. And that's one of the things, and the reason I say I struggle with it is I think one of the, the things that I look to improve on is we've done an amazing job in our COVID response, but I feel that some things could have been done more collaboratively, maybe more working together to work it out to avoid challenges down the road. And so that's, you know, just kind of an honest assessment of, of the last six months could always do better. And that's probably one that, that I need to work on a little bit. Insightful conversation, but we have to take a quick break. More with Henry and Company Nurse after this short break. Hello there, Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. And as you've heard, the going theme for today's episode is empathy, but empathy towards individuals who need to be recognized for going above and beyond when it comes to interactions, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Henry at Company Nurse understands this importance and has helped implement the Kovroth Award, a way to recognize agents for going that extra mile. Genesis also has a very similar program known as the CX Heroes program. To learn more about this program, as well as other CX Heroes winners, check out the resources below on Genesis.com, where you can read about how to nominate your very own agents and read about the customers and current winners within the program today. And as always, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share, and stay tuned for the next episode of Take a Moment. Welcome back to Take a Moment. We are here with Henry and Company Nurse talking about all the things that Company Nurse has been doing to leverage the strange time of COVID, but still being successful at being able to still meet the needs of both their employees and their customers as well. Earlier, you mentioned that when you joined Company Nurse, they were already going through this journey to become a cloud-first SaaS company. 
Post-COVID, emerging out of the pandemic and the crisis, what do you think companies like yours need to be thinking about? And without telling us the secret sauce about what company Nurse is going to be doing, what are some things that are on the horizon that kind of really make you excited? I think the main thing for us is the ability for us to have shifted to a remote-only workforce almost immediately. And a lot of that was thanks to the move that we'd made to being SaaS first and cloud first. So we wouldn't have been able to do it if we, if we hadn't made those investments two or three years before. I'm very bullish on our future because I, I feel that work is forever changed because of this COVID pandemic. So COVID will go away, whether we, we have a vaccine or whether there's herd immunity, but whether it's a year or two years, it will eventually go away. There may be some other pandemic, but I think the lessons that we've learned from working remotely, building teams and building solutions remotely, but more importantly, I think employers are now comfortable with things like telemedicine, where before maybe they were on the fence with for telehealth or then maybe they were on the fence as to should I have a cloud contact center? So I think you know, you're probably seeing the benefits of that already in terms of revenue and license growth for companies that are shifting to the cloud. I think for us, I'm very bullish on our future, as I said, because I think we're seeing already discussions that we were having with very large companies that were maybe on the fence are starting to accelerate because now their workforce, their customers are saying, we don't want to send someone into a medical facility to get a test if they can have a conversation with a nurse on the phone. And so that's a little bit of a kind of the future of why I'm bullish. In terms of our secret sauce, I mean, I'll, I'll share with you. It's obviously a lot of hard work. But going back to the analogy or the, the comparisons with bicycle racing, we have a performance coach for our leadership team. We have quarterly planning sessions with that performance coach. The name of that performance uh, coach or that company is called Petra, Petra Coaching. And so I would advise any, you know, any entrepreneur or even mid-sized business, if, if your company is sort of struggling with finding how to keep everyone accountable and how to really be driven to find solutions, which was the, the other value that, that I didn't talk about. Hire a coach, hire a Petra coach. And, and not, not because I, I, I want to pl- plug them, but really that's, our, that's our part of our secret sauce. There's a lot more that goes into it, but that's, that's one of those key components. And, and the Petra coach thing started right before I joined. But one of the things that I've, I've heard from our leadership team is there were some people that were on the team at the time that when that level of accountability that the coach brought they didn't want to be part of the organization anymore. And that was okay. So, you know, we now have a leadership team where, you know, we meet every morning. We have a, a quick standup. We've got a framework that we use to, to hold each other accountable in terms of our quarterly objectives. And it's really accelerated in the time of COVID because now, you know, it's just become even more normal. We've leaned on that framework and our values and our character to really find solutions for our customers. And I think that's why the the future is bright for us. We talk a lot about company culture here on Take a Moment. And one of the things that's been kind of top of mind for a lot of organizations is how to maintain that culture when your workforce goes completely work from home. Now, I know at one point, like pre-COVID, were you about 80% work from home? Maybe 60. Maybe 60? 60 60, yeah, most of our agents, probably 80% of our agents, but our leadership team, 
for the most part was in the office at least three days a week together. Okay. And, and, and what are some of the challenges that are presenting themselves now, now that you're almost entirely work from home, or if, if not 100% work from home, in keeping that vibe that Company Nurse has that is well recognized as one of the best places to work? How do you maintain that? Well, initially we had a lot more meetings. So Zoom, so we, interestingly enough, we had just in January, I think January, we uh, signed an agreement with Zoom to put Zoom rooms into the, into our offices and, you know, basically just go full Zoom. And then obviously Genesis has, has partnered with Zoom, which is great. And we're, we're looking forward to some of those future collaborations and eventually even routing video interactions to our, our nurse agents. So we, we started having twice a week town halls with all of our employees, just reassuring them, you know, that's where the, the no layoffs pledge came. We've also, I think at least once or twice a month, we have theme days. So I think the last, we had a Star Wars theme, which is one of my favorites you know, your alma mater theme. So, you know, put up your favorite team, you know, all kinds of different fun things that we're doing. We've had some, some virtual happy hours, you know, really that, and then also being flexible with schedules. And I think, I, I know Genesis has done some of this with, with your teams where I think you've gone to a four day work week. Did I, did I hear that correctly? We are still, we had Fridays in August off, which was a tremendous gift to the employees because I think the leadership recognized that this is a really, really tough time and can be really weighing psychologically, physically, emotionally. And uh, Genesis did a great thing for their employees by letting us take every Friday in August off. We're back now to a five-day work week, but we are feeling pretty refreshed. Yeah, no, that's a fabulous idea. I hope I hope our the rest of our leadership is listening. So maybe we can institute that here. Maybe next uh, I'll, I'll talk to him, Henry. I'll, I'll talk to him for you. But uh, that was part of our part of we didn't make it official every Friday, but we did provide quite a bit of flexibility to our teams and and our team members so that they could handle. You know, we have a lot of agents that are struggling with parenting issues. You know, they were relying on childcare to take care of their their young ones while they were doing their, their work from home or if they were coming into the office. And so we've been very flexible with that just in terms of understanding, uh, helping out, and then people covering for each other. So that's one of the things that's really been amazing to watch is somebody's sick or somebody has a family interruption of some sort. There's always, it seems like there's always another agent that's willing to take an extra shift or work a double or work a triple just to make sure that we have the coverage for our clients. Wanting to go back, you've mentioned that one of the things that Company Nurse does really well is listen to their customers. Wanted to kind of unpack how that is so important for companies to really listen to their customers in order to provide them with the best experience and the service possible. And then in some cases, being able to say, you know what, maybe we need to be creating these kinds of solutions to better serve our customers. I think. What I find sometimes for from other companies is that they have talk time goals for their account management team or their customer service managers, and they have quotas. And so a lot of times a conversation between myself, and I'm not talking about Genesis here, but some of the relationships I have with vendors, I always feel like there's that 
here's what I need to sell you or, you know, or they're just checking off a box. And so for us, it, it really started with, we don't know what's going to come out of the discussions that we're having with customers. We came together as a team and, you know, obviously there's a, a list of questions that we wanted to ask. And, and yes, we, we were hoping that we would find a way to either productize or, or make up for some of the lost revenue. But at the end of the day, we just really wanted to help our customers get back to work. And we wanted to see what, what challenges they had through COVID. And initially, we came out with an IVR solution that, you know, there were just too many moving parts to it. And for one reason or another, it didn't, it didn't really take off. But again, it was sort of that, that willingness to just listen and ask without us sort of forcing a quota or, you know, it has to be this. It was really just sort of open-ended. How can we help? What can we do? And I think our customers felt the, how genuine that was. And from that came some great opportunities, not just the, the screening solutions, so other enhancements that we've made to our reporting or our intake process to address some of the challenges that our customers are facing. What would you say as a CTO to another CTO who might be weighing the options of on-prem or cloud-based, what would you say to them to get them over that sticking point of transitioning to the cloud? Because it could be scary, it could be difficult, but is it really, does it have to be, and what are the benefits of just taking the leap and doing it? Well, there's a lot there, but the first thing I would do is maybe ask them, how is your transition to working from home? Right. I mean, just that simple question. I, I have uh, some colleagues that, that I that I respect, uh, partners in, in some cases that we work with, where their philosophy is, we don't trust AWS. We don't trust this cloud provider. I've heard from some that that may be in a competing situation with with Amazon. They think, well, you know, we're going to do we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it better. Reality is, um, in today's world, there's really no reason to be running a data center. If, if it works for the DOD, it certainly works for company nurse. And so I would, I would start with asking them how that transition was. And I would bet that most of them would say, what transition? I'm still reeling from the pain of trying to get people connected from home. Or, you know, the first month was a complete disaster and we're now 100% in the cloud because that was the only way we could operate. That was kind of how to, how to talk to them about why they should be making that transition. The other thing would be to just say, you know, look at us, right? Look at what we've been able to do. Look at how, how much time we've been able to devote to not having our employees just answer the phone from home, but we were able to pivot to working from home. And then within the next week, start asking our customers, how can we help? And from there, you know, three, four weeks later, we have a, a minimum viable product that we now have 10,000 users a day using. So that's, that's what being in the cloud allows you to do. It's the ability to scale, the ability to turn literally on a dime and start up a, a new product or you know, go after a new market or grow the organization. All of those things and more we're able to do because of our cloud-first, SaaS-first approach. How important is it that it's tied to a long-term business strategy? I think some folks sometimes tend to think, oh, this is just a technology shift and they don't really understand the overall business impact. How, it seems like company nurse understood that and kind of worked it in as part of your business strategy. How important is that for those that are considering, like Nate said, that switch? I don't see how you couldn't tie it to a long-term strategy because it really is the foundation of, of everything that, that we're able to do. So this is, again, and, and just to, to circle back, so Company Nurse didn't have that strategy. 
I sort of came to the table with this is this is my DNA. I've done this for other organizations. I actually had a consulting practice, and that's actually how I came to Company Nurse. I started as a as a consultant, and actually my first objective was finding a cloud platform. But the first thing I had to do was I had to convince the leadership team as a consultant, which, you know, consultants are always sort of viewed in this, oh, here's this consultant. He's going to pop in for about a week, tell us that we need to change everything that we're doing. And then he's going to like fly off on a plane and go someplace else. Well, I was lucky they asked me to stay and I, and I wanted to stay. I recognized what a, what a gem this, this organization was. So first thing I had to do is I, I had to really explain to the organization, here are the things that we're unable to do as a company because of our on-premise solution. We can't scale beyond this many users, or we're gonna have to spend some crazy amount of money to upgrade to this sort of new version that can allow us to scale to do these other things. And then, oh, by the way, we have this security audit that we're not gonna pass because we can't remediate these systems because they're past their, you know, their due date. So a lot of that is just sort of getting to the, what makes sense for this organization right now. And for company nurse, it was, this is a way for us to increase our security posture, increase our agility as an organization so that we're able to do things like what we've done with this COVID response. And then it just became a philosophy. It was, Hey, we've done this for the most important part of our, of our technology stack, which is our contact center. You know, can we do this for our customer relationship management system? Can we do this for our email? Of course, right? So we moved to uh, Office 365. We, you know, we've, we've made all these investments, but it's always how can we free up some of our internal resources that are maintaining these systems now that they know and they understand our, our business, how can we repurpose them to actually provide more value, value to the organization. And that, like I said, I think that it has to be long-term. It can't be couched as a, well, this is just a thing that we're doing because it's a technology thing. It's, hey, we're doing this because it makes sense for us as an organization to focus on our core competency. Our core competency is not running a data center. I've, I've run data centers for very large fortune companies and it wasn't their core competency. We didn't do it really well then. AWS does a much better job of managing, you know, backup tapes and, and installing servers and the heating, the cooling that goes into a, a large data center and all the power backup. They do a much better job, trust me, than even though I think I've done a good job in the past than, than I know I could do with the resources we have. So hopefully that answers that. Henry, I love this concept that your organization has created, the Kaufroth Award for Empathy that you mentioned before. And I'm wondering if you could share with us one of the examples of an award recipient from, from your experience. We'd love to hear these stories. In fact, within Genesis, we have something called the CX Heroes, and it's devoted to highlighting those unsung heroes of the, the contact center that went above and beyond. And I'm wondering if you could share a story from your experience. Sure, sure. So, well, we, we haven't awarded it yet. So this will be the first year that we do. Okay, great. Um, and so it's uh, the, the official name is, it's the Kafroth Award for Outstanding Service and Compassion. And I will be suggesting that whoever wins this award is also nominated for uh, CX Heroes. We hope to be on that stage. Uh, if Wonderful. you have any poll, if you know anyone at Genesis. Uh, I'll talk to know. somebody. I, I know a guy. I know a guy. But yeah, so I, so I, I, I know that there are a few nominees. Even if I knew who it, who it was, I, I wouldn't say yet because the, the, the cat's not, not out of the bag yet. But I got yeah, you. We, we will be awarding you. the first one this year. Can you, let me reframe my question then. Can you maybe share with us a story? Of course, you don't need to share with us the details, but like a remarkable story from the annals of 
company nurses history? Are there any amazing stories that you guys like to share and talk about? All the time. I mean, imagine, imagine the calls that we get on a, you know, we're taking before COVID up to 500 injury calls per day, everything from my student bit me to fire and police type of situations. But one that, that stands out without giving any sort of personal details away. And this was just before the, the time that I joined one of our employees who's no longer in, in that role. She's, she's been promoted to, to another role. She was an intake coordinator. We call our intake coordinators ICCs, injury care coordinator. And she received the call from somebody that was having a really bad day and was thinking of ending their life. And I want to say, I think she stood, she stayed on with that person several hours and obviously came to a good conclusion, but, and she's not even a nurse, right? So, you know, she, she was the one that took the call. She had, she was able to build that rapport and that relationship. And it it turned out to be a good news story in the end, but I'm sure there are, there are dozens of situations like that. And, you know, unfortunately it was before we were on our Genesis platform where we would have obviously uh, submitted that for a, a CX Heroes. Well, you know, whether you're on the Genesis platform or not, I think that's a reflection of the company values really being instilled into each individual. There could have been a situation where she said, look, that's not my job. And instead, what did she do? She did the right thing. She went the extra two miles, if not that's more. Right. You know, she, she really, really was compassionate uh, towards that person. So those are the stories that we absolutely love to hear. And I know, I think I can speak for Mari and I, where that's part of the reason why we get up to do our jobs, because we know that the technology that we get a very, very small hand in kind of uh, showing to the rest of the world does do a lot of good for the end users, not just for large companies, but really for the end users. It, it helps. And we love seeing businesses like yours continue to help people in just remarkable and extraordinary ways. So that being said, before we conclude, we'd like to play a little game with you called Fast Five, Take Five. And we know, Henry, that you like going fast. So this is where Mari and I just throw out a whole bunch of random questions that are completely ridiculous just to get your response. There are no wrong answers. We'll probably make fun of you at some point, just behind your back though, not to your face, of course. I've been making fun of you this whole time. I, I, I had seen that. Yeah, what our <laughs> listeners can't see is that uh, Henry has been making faces over the Zoom, like sticking his tongue out at me the whole time. So it, it's only fair, sir. It is only fair. All right, so are you ready? Okay, my first question is, what is the best place around Boston University, your alma mater, to get some late night food when you are like, I need a study break, oh, 2 a.m., yeah, where are you going? T. Anthony's, T. Anthony's. What's T. Anthony's got that, let's say? Um, they have a uh, cheeseburger pizza. I, rem- I, I haven't been to T. Anthony's in 20 years, but it was, it was right across from our dorm. It's this, uh, you know, kind of hole in the wall, traditional pizza place. It's, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure it's still there, but maybe I wouldn't like it if I tried it now. But that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was, that was one of our go-tos for sure. So do you load up on that cheeseburger pizza before you go on the bike ride? Do you just well, get I, an extra large? I discovered I'm gluten intolerant, so uh, okay. unfortunately not, but yeah. You are a Star Wars fan. If you could be any character, which one would it be? What's your spirit animal, spirit character? <laughs> your, your spirit Star Wars animal. <laughs> 
I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but I, I'm just a huge fan of Luke Skywalker. It was the, the first movie that I ever – we didn't talk about this, but I grew up in, in South America. I grew up in, in Colombia. And when I came to the States, I think on a vacation or something, it was the first time I went to a big movie theater. It was the first movie I ever saw. And so, you know, Luke Skywalker and even the, the way they brought them back in, in the last episode. And then, and then to be honest, I, I kind of want to be Mark Hamill. He's just a cool guy. <laughs> He is a cool guy. Voice of the Joker. Yes. yes. I mean, he is. I, I, it's so funny, Mari, that you, I, Mari and I had no idea what each other was going to ask. And I was actually going to ask you Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Skywalker guy, man. I'm a Skywalker guy. That's, uh, that's great. That's great. Okay. So mountain biking or bike racing? Mountain biking, 100%. Yeah. So I think, you know, back, you were asking me what were some of the parallels between, you know, racing a bike or training and racing a bike or biking and work. And one of the things that I, that I will say is after seven years of working with a coach and training and winning a bunch of races and, and, and championships and things like that, eventually you also have to take a pause, not just because you're older like I am now, but, but you also have to stop and smell the roses. And so for me, I get my my recharge through amazing mountain bike trips. And like I, I think I mentioned, I was in Colorado for 10 days over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I feel like I'm ready to t- take on the world. So on that note, what is your favorite trail or favorite place to bike? Well, I, I have to say the, the from my trip that I just took, I, I rode probably the best trails that I've ridden in my life in Colorado. And to get the most amazing trails you need a few obviously a few critical ingredients the weather has to be perfect check you have to have beautiful scenery check check and check with colorado and so we rode one trail twice because it was so good it's called the hermosa trail and it's between durango and silverton colorado and um, we started we we did it twice the second time we did it as what's called the shuttle ride where we drop a car off at the top and the top is maybe 12,000 feet of elevation. And then you ride basically all the way to Hermosa Creek and you ride right along the creek. At some points, you're looking down several hundred feet over to your right, literally one foot away. You make one mistake and that could be it. Bye-bye. And they also had some, uh, unfortunately, four years ago, had some fires. So it was just really interesting to see the forest coming back after a devastating fire like they had and just the whole experience of riding from the top, getting hailed, stormed on. And then the other critical ingredient is having the right people with you. So that was, to me, kind of the perfect trail on the perfect day. But I have to give a shout out to Brown's Ranch, which is my daily where I rode this morning, where I typically ride. It's here in North Scottsdale. They've got 200 miles of amazing trails. And the best bonus is you never, I never really go thinking if I make a mistake, it could be the end. And that's one of the downsides of being in a trail like Hermosa Trail is if you make a mistake, there could be some pretty hefty consequences. And final question, what is your go-to playlist that's in your ears when you're on a track or on a trail? You know, I, my go-to playlist is nature. So I, I ride with a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that they, I think they can't ride if they don't have, if they forget their headphones, they, they feel like something's missing for me. It's the playlist of life. I'm a big Chris Cornell fan. So that's that's kind of what I listen to. And and then obviously with my Latin roots, uh, lots of uh, Carlos Vives and uh, another Colombian artist, but yeah, Nate. You, well, I, 
very good answer, but now you've got me on a Chris Cornell kick and I'm going to be singing some Soundgarden around yes. the house and really annoying my wife for the rest of the day. So she'll have, have her thank me. She can yeah, thank I will. Me. I will. <laughs> she'll, you'll be getting an email from her <laughs> very shortly, very shortly. Henry, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for continuing to innovate, to help folks in crazy, crazy time, uh, folks who are not doing well, who need help. And we really appreciate the sense of compassion for others that, that Company Nurse continues to uh, display. So thanks a lot for being with us, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Mari. Thank you, Nate. Thank you to Genesis. 